Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Welcome, everybody. Today, my guest is author and consultant, I guess I guess you'd call you, teacher, trainer, Rebecca Consultant. Let me read a little bit about her. Rebecca is the author of, Hey, Are You Listening to Me? Listen Your Way to Professional and Personal Success. Her book has been used globally by businesses to improve communication in the workplace and in workshops for couples and families. She's a former speaker and has spoken to businesses and organizations on how to pre- improve communication and listening skills. And for all of you who know anything about my work, it's pretty obvious why I'm having her on the show. We have a couple of listener experts here to inform you about the importance of listening. So, Rebecca, a warm welcome, and we're going to have a great conversation over the next 20 or 30 minutes. Oh, thank you, Doug. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So so tell us a little bit about yourself, your backstory, especially, and then how you got into studying and teaching listening. Yeah. Um, when you say backstory, you mean a little, just a little bit about- A little my, about yourself, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in rural New Hampshire, and we had quite a bit of acreage, and a lot of it was wooded, so I was a- tree climber and loved to play by streams and play in woods. And I raised chickens and had lots of pets and all of that really contributed to my love of the outdoors and nature and animals. Um, a, uh, an event that really formed me, I, I wasn't raised with a lot of confidence and self-esteem. So when I graduated from college and all of my friends were having job interviews with companies, I decided to just take off with a backpack and travel. And I started in Greece and did a lot of traveling in the Far East. And that was before cell phones and I didn't own a credit card and I didn't have much money. So not feeling really strongly about myself as a person, that was, when I look back on that, I'm amazed that I did that. And like I said, it formed me in a lot of ways it helped me gain a lot of confidence in myself. I worked where I could so I could continue traveling. I had no agenda, um, ran out of money a couple of times and slept outside here and there, but it, it really gave me a lot of confidence in myself and my abilities. And when you came back, you came back to the United States, what happened next? When I came back to the US, I, with that kind of newfound adventurous spirit, I tried a lot of different things. I got involved in some interesting sports. I I hang glided for a little bit. I flew small planes and started parachuting, started jumping out of uh, airplanes and doing skydiving. And I fell head over heels in love with that. And I I ended up doing that for quite a few years. And I traveled to different parts of the country to um, chase the weather kind of, and just, you know, jump when I could. Well, we have that in common because I'm I'm a instrument rated private pilot, multi engine tail oh. tail wheel, and I also fly helicopters. So oh, wow! Oh, I didn't I'm know that. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I got a little RV six, two seater, 
experimental that I fly. Oh, wow. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Oh, good for you. So how do you get into listening? How, what, what, what prompted you to start studying listening and then writing your book? Yeah, the, you know, throughout my life, I thought that I was a, a decent listener, <laughs> like many of us do. That's right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and really where it was all born from is I started, this was many, many years ago, but I had a, a very successful practice doing hypnotherapy with clients. Mm -hmm. And the very first appointment, the, the intake initial appointment, it would usually last for a while. It would usually, it would go an hour and a half, two hours easily. But I asked a lot of questions. I really dug deep. And I have a teacher that used to call it listening on sword point. And Ooh, I like isn't that, that. Isn't that great? And what he meant by that was actively listening, listening with my whole body, uh, asking questions to gain more clarity, to dig a little bit deeper, and also listening for inconsistencies in what the client was saying versus what they were actually doing. So I felt like a detective <laughs> sometimes with how I was listening, but I learned really quickly that so many people are really hungry to be heard to be understood oh. yeah to have oh to have man yeah. ever i mean i completely agree with you the um just to just to riff on that for a second what i what i found same thing as you number one most people don't feel emotionally safe they don't feel validated they don't feel heard and in my research i find that that people really start feeling isolated and alone between six and eight years old when they start learning that that the world is an emotionally unsafe place to be and and they become emotionally defensive and withdrawn mm. wow. and, and just like you people want to be heard and when you can provide that service they just are so grateful yeah yeah that's what i discovered completely by accident i feel but that's what i discovered during my practice was we hadn't even started really doing the you know the work yet but people would feel amazing after that initial appointment because they felt understood and validated. And I was really yeah. interested in everything they had to say. So that was the, the book really was born from those years wow. of doing that. So you call listening on the edge of a sword. I call it listening other people into existence. Oh, oh, I like that better. <laughs> I, I use that because, because it's been my experience when we're listening to emotions, which is what I teach, um, that people feel heard, deeply heard for the first time. They are actually literally listened into existence. In fact, I came up with that phrase. I was training at a middle school, teaching teachers how to listen to their kids, listen to their kids' emotions, their students' emotions. And we were doing a, in the training, I did a, I did a circle, a peace circle, to, to show teachers how to use peace circles in their classrooms for classroom control and, and community building. And one of the women participating in the circle was uh, a, a school administrator, not a principal. Or a, she was at the from the main office. At the end of the circle, when we debriefed, she said, "That's the first time I've ever felt deeply listened to in my life. For the first time, I feel like I was listened into existence." And I picked that phrase. I think that was in 2015, and that's how I picked up that phrase. That's a great phrase, and that's a beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, that's the power. That's the power of all of this. Why do you? I mean, we both we're talking about this. Our both of our experiences are that 
listening is so powerful when it's done right. And yet people are not motivated to learn or they don't know how to learn or they they just dismiss it as something that is a skill that they have to pick up. What's what you're thinking about that? Yeah, you know, it, it makes me think about what you said a couple of minutes ago about, about a lot of things starting when we're six, eight years old around mm-hmm. the time. I think that that's when a lot of good habits could be instilled <laughs> at that young age. But I just think, especially nowadays, everybody's so busy and the busyness externally contributes to our internal busyness and the mind is just <laughs> like such an antagonistic little in trouble you know blah, 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 blah. just it's always going so i i don't understand why this super valuable skill wouldn't be focused on more and taught more if not in youth and childhood at least as we get older, you know, in, in other venues. I, I think that it's a combination of a lot of factors. Um, I think that when you, when you are truly listening to somebody, you have to be present and authentic and vulnerable yourself. And that means you have to have a certain amount of emotional maturity or what I call emotional competency. And if you don't have that competency, then your mind is going to drift. I mean, I think you, you've made in, in the Authority Magazine article that we did together, you made a really good point about how we how we get distracted. And there's actually research now that shows that what happens in a conversation is if somebody, if we're having a conversation and we're not skilled, you could say something to me that triggers me emotionally. And my brain just takes off somewhere else. And I completely lose my capacity to, to pay attention to you because I don't have the emotional maturity or competency to deal with that emotional reactivity and i think and that's why people interrupt i think is because they get this emotional reaction and they just they 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 have no impulse control because their prefrontal cortex is shut down and so they just blurt out stuff and and i think that that really contributes a lot to the, the poor listening skills that we see around us all the time yeah i think that's really insightful doug and i think that's definitely one of the reasons why people can't really hear or they interrupt, you know, when they get triggered like that, like you said. And I think that all of the internal dialogue that happens within one's own mind causes a lot of interruption as well. You know, if you're thinking about what you want to say, you've got something really good and important to say, and you don't want to forget it. So you rehearse it in your mind and just waiting for that pause so you can say what you want to say. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it's it's again it's impulse control it's me too me too me too yes and so we spend more time thinking about what we're going to say next than we spend really listening to other people that's why when i teach people how, how to listen to emotions the very first thing i say is ignore the words mm. just completely ignore the words it, it just becomes white noise so and when you, yeah when you stop paying attention to the words now you can focus on the emotions and what's really amazing is if you all you do is focus on the emotional experience that the speaker is having you'll remember the words because w- learning is associated with emotion i really like that so when you say that you do you mean the words are there and they'll they'll come you're retaining them but do you mean kind of watching the person's uh reactivity or facial expressions or their body language is that what yeah, you mean all, by- all of it all of that and more our brains are hardwired to read emotions because of evolutionary biology 
Mm. We didn't even have vocabulary or the ability to speak in less than 230,000 years ago, which is an eye blink. Yeah, yeah. So before that, for the millions of years that hominids have been on the planet, how did they communicate? They communicated emotionally, yeah. but non-verbally. So our brains evolved to pick up on all kinds of emotional cues. And, and all we have to do is just quiet our minds for a moment, and it'll, our brains will automatically start processing the emotions that the speaker is experiencing. I, and then I teach us a way of structuring emotions so that you can pick out the, the, the most, you can, you can chunk the emotions very easily and quickly. Um, and it makes it much easier and faster to, to know what to say and how to say it. But, but, the, but my rubric is ignore the words, read the emotions, reflect back the emotions with the use statement. So I would say something like, oh, Rebecca, you're really angry. You feel disrespected, you don't feel heard, you don't feel appreciated, you don't feel supported, and you're worried and anxious, and you're sad, and you're upset and distressed because you've lost connection, and you feel a little bit of embarrassment, and you feel completely abandoned and rejected and unloved. Wow. So you're, so you're not just reflecting back the words, you're reflecting mm -hmm. back the emotion that is conveyed in the words, and wow, that's... That, can make someone feel so heard how did that just feel for you yeah it felt wonderful right <laughs> yeah that is true that is true empathic listening it's called affect labeling mm. and there are brain scanning studies as i said that show that what happens in every human brain when you do this so it's not just listening to the word sometimes you do listen to the words and it's important to listen to the words but other times it's important to listen to the emotions mm -hmm. and these are the skills that I, I, I just developed this in 2005 and started teaching it in our Prison of Peace project in 2010. Mm -hmm. it's, a it's the foundational skill. And when we're teaching incarcerated people how to be mediators and peacemakers to stop prison violence, it's the first skill we teach them. Uh, because the whole everything, everything in mediation and peacemaking is based on the ability to listen and mm -hmm. de-escalate. Right. So, right. When you were talking about uh, listening with the whole body, that, that caught my attention too. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I call it, it might have a different term, but I call it active listening. But okay. I noticed that when I would work with my hypnotherapy clients, especially that first appointment where I was gathering a lot of information, I would feel a little exhausted after <laughs> because I would really be, I mean, my mind would be quiet and I'd be very focused, but I would, I could feel my whole body responding to everything that they were now, and now that you say that too, Doug, about everything that they were experiencing emotionally, I'm sure I was very tuned into, and also their words. I was taking notes if something seemed, you know, real relevant that I wanted to remember, or if there was something I wanted to ask a question about when they were done talking. So I would feel just like a physical, it, it was a good feeling, but I, I would feel tired after. And it felt like a very active practice so that's kind of what i mean by cognitive it's cognitively taxing yeah if, if you're really focused on everything that the person is saying yes it can be exhausting yeah and not in a bad way you know no. it, i mean it was yeah it was very fulfilling i had no idea it was going to be that fulfilling you know right. being able to do that for people but that's 
what I mean by listening with my whole body. Okay. It's interesting you use the term active listening. I I, I, I tell people don't use that word with me. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. How come? Um, the term was coined by uh, Thomas Gordon, who was a psychologist in the 1950s who studied under Carl Rogers. They were both professors at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Mm -hmm. And he developed this whole thing around active listening. And he thought that conflict, interpersonal conflict evolved when people blame the other person. So, you know, you did this to me or you're this kind of a person or you're a bad person. So he said, when you're in a conflict situation, don't use you statements, use I statements. And he was absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I'm when you do X, when when X happens, I feel Y. And then you make a request would would you consider doing so and so and that's what he taught but it got perverted in the human potential movement in the 1960s and it got perverted to where oh what i hear you saying is that you're angry this passive voice stupid stuff and i can tell you as a mediator and a peacemaker and a professor act that kind of active listening where you're saying what i hear you saying is only pisses people off it doesn't work it never has worked. It never will work. Yeah, I, and, I agree. I agree and, with that. And, and, and yet you hear people use the term active listening. Mm. And as soon as they do, I know that they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I, so I just didn't, their ignorance. <laughs> so I just didn't know what I was talking about when I was. Well, I, but except <laughs> that I knew you. I know you're a great listener and, and written a really beautiful book about it. That's why I was curious about why you used the term. It's probably because. I mean, I didn't know the history of active listening until I decided to dive into it. So where did this all come from? And then I found out that you've heard of nonviolent communication, Marshall Ro Rosenberg system, right? That's yeah. another system that doesn't work. But Rosenberg also went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison about 20 years after Gordon. Oh, really? And when you look at nonviolent communication and G Gordon's work, they're, all, they're identical. Really? Oh, that's interesting. I'm thinking that Rosenberg stumbled onto, I don't know this for a fact, Rosenberg's dead, so we can't ask him, but I suspect that he discovered Gordon's work and rebranded it as nonviolent communication. I wrote a whole blog article on this on my website. Oh. Um, so, Doug, what do you think would be a better word, a, a better term than active listening? Reflective listening. Oh, oh I like that. I, I like that. Reflective yeah. listening. We, we make a huge distinction because when you're doing reflective listening, you are reflecting the speaker's words and emotions and meaning. See, it's meaning, words, meaning, and emotion, three things that you have to reflect from the speaker's frame of reference, which is why in the way I teach it, you always use, use statements you, and you never ask questions because the moment you start asking questions, it becomes your agenda. Mm. And if you really want to, if you really want to have somebody feel deeply heard, it's their agenda. Whatever they want to talk about is okay. All you do is reflect what they're feeling and experiencing and meaning. Mm. So we use paraphrasing, which everybody's familiar with, for reflecting the words. We use core messaging for reflecting the meaning that the speaker is trying to convey but can't. And we use ethic labeling for reflecting the emotional experience the speaker is having in the moment, all mm. using use statements. Yeah, that's great. Interesting, huh? Yeah, it really is. It really is. And and I've taught this. I've acid tested it in maximum security prisons for the last 13 years. And I taught it in schools. And I use it in my peacemaking work all the time. And 
That's good. Uh, I have people who I facilitate difficult conversations. And what I say in the difficult conversations is this is not about a difficult conversation. This is an exercise in listening and reflecting. Yeah. It makes me really happy that you're doing that work. It's such important work. Well, yeah, I think I think that's why I wanted to amplify your work too, because you're doing the same thing. Mm, um, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are, what are you doing these days? Like, I mean, you're promoting the book. Are you out teaching, training, giving talks on the book? Yeah, I don't. I I used to speak in the past, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not. I don't really do that anymore. I I um, I'm not really doing anything in those lines of work anymore. Okay. Completely different things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Another chapter. Yeah. Another chapter. All right. And, and you're living in Florida at the moment. So. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, great. Well, what other tips can you give us uh, for those that are learning from both of us in this conversation? What other tips have you picked up over the years that you think is really useful and important? Uh, some other tips as far as listening, listening. concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, boy, there's so many. Um, one of the big things I think I would say is to be gentle. If you've decided that you want to really get better at the skill, to be gentle with yourself in the process. You know, wanting to improve that skill and taking the first steps is is huge. So just be gentle with yourself as you're doing it. Because like I said, when I started started listening very intently and learning how to do that, I would feel tired after and it would be difficult for me sometimes in the beginning it got a lot easier but it would be difficult for me to bite my tongue and not interject something that I felt was like so important to say at this moment um a big thing that I've learned is that it's okay to let go of what you feel is so important what's happening in your own mind it's okay to let that go. It's more important to really be there and be focused and listening on what someone is sharing. That's right. You. Yeah. It's what Eckhart Tolle calls being in the presence of now. Yes. And what I've learned is that when you listen, at least listen to emotions, you are in the presence of now. It, you become eagle. It's a very trans, transcendent experience. It's almost, it's, it's almost a spiritual practice. I agree. Where you become completely egoless, ego-free, mm -hmm. and all your, your your whole concentration is focused on listening to and understanding and reflecting the emotions of another person. Yeah. It's and you know, quite a remarkable place to be. It really is. That's a great way of putting it. And another beautiful piece of that is when you are able to do that and you set your own agenda aside and set all the important things that you just have to say aside then that person who's sharing with you it's it's so beautiful they open up they go yes. deep they go deeper they That's share right. more That's and it's right. this it's this incredibly bonding connecting experience yeah. with another human it has been mm -hmm. yeah that has been exactly my experience and all everybody i've taught that when you start listening to somebody in a deep way they feel emotionally safe, but many times for the very first time in their life. And so yeah. now they open up and they yeah. start talking. And we just had, I just had this experience the other night. We had a, a, a couple over for dinner, neighbors of ours that live a couple of miles over on the other, and we all live in the mountains here. So they were a couple of mountains over, <laughs> but he, he was a, uh, he's, he's a very, he's taciturn. 
nice guy, super nice guy. But for the first time since I've met him, he opened up at dinner and started talking about himself and his family and his background and actually started crying over oh. some stories with his father. And I think it's because for the first time he felt really emotionally safe. And my, my, my wife's very skilled at this too and in our presence. And his wife commented in a text to Alea that she's never seen him like that. She's never seen him open up to anybody like that before. I love stories like that. And it's it's true. That's the way we get closer to people and connect to people. And I think help help each other heal. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing about it, it's a priceless gift, yet it costs nothing to give. I know. I love that. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes. And all we have to do is learn how to do it. And we can give it out anytime we want. It costs us nothing but a few seconds of time. Yeah. And we and we just enrich people's lives by being able to listen them into existence. Yeah. I'm always surprised when people share, I mean, close friends, that's less surprising, but just acquaintances. It's surprising when people share such deep, personal, special things with me. And I know that what I'm doing in that moment is just is holding that space and listening and and I've had people say after, you know, I've, oh, I don't tell very many people that. I, I don't know why I just got into that or, or went off on that. And I feel honored. Yes. It, it, yes. It's a sacred place that we yeah. create when we listen to people. Yeah. That's a really nice story about your dinner guests. That's yeah. well, and it's not unusual. Uh, you know, I facilitate difficult conversations and I did one. It's actually, I've got it posted on my YouTube channel, The Power of Emotional Competency, a month or two ago with a young couple who went to Hawaii to break up and they decided to have a difficult conversation with me. And I did, I walked them through listening to each other at a very deep level, a lot of tears and crying recorded on YouTube. Wow. And um, they texted me on WhatsApp on Sunday and they got back together again and were have figured out how to how to communicate and listen to each other. That's all it took. <laughs> that gives me goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, what else can you want in life other than stuff like that, right? I know, I know. That's so, awesome. I, I mean, just when you start learning these skills, you can do such amazing things. You don't have to become a Mother Teresa to do good work in the world, to create meaning. All you have to do is learn how to listen. Yeah, yeah. And, and I yeah, I agree so much, Doug. I love that. I feel like you're speaking my language. It's really nice. <laughs> I, I figured you we we would have a lot in common. Um, any other any other advice you would give to people on how they could get if they if they're listening to us and and they're getting inspired about uh, about how to become a better listener? What steps would you say to take? Read your book. Right. Yeah, my read my book. book. <laughs> read my <Yeah>. fourth book. <laughs> Buy our books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks, Doug. Um, yeah, oh. I'm very, I'm very proud of that little book. I am. It's, it's very thin. You can read it in about a half an hour, okay. but it's got some gems in there. I've, I've never talked to anybody who has said that they didn't take something away from that that they're trying to put into practice. Yeah. Um, you can also look up online. You know ideas on becoming a better listener and maybe just get a couple of ideas with that um but being aware <laughs> what i'm gonna say i've done a lot of i've read a lot of articles online about listening and i would say 98 percent of it's garbage 
Okay, so skip, so cancel what I just said about that. (laughs) (laughs) Read read Rebecca's book. Hey, are you listening to me? Listing your way to professional and personal success available on Amazon and all the usual places. Google it. I did. You can find it everywhere. That's that's where it started. And then if you want to get my stuff in the show notes, I'll I'll put notes about de-escalate, how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds or less, which is about my kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, one final question. I always like to ask my guests, tell us one thing about yourself that we wouldn't know unless you told us. Oh, <laughs> let's see. And it doesn't, does it have to do with listening? Just nope. no, it, whatever. So just something very interesting about yourself that no one would ever know. Oh, that's some pressure. Something very interesting that no one would ever know. <laughs> Well, I guess the listeners do kind of know this now, but I, the thing about me is that I have a very adventurous uh, spirit. I like risk-taking activities. I like to make myself uncomfortable. I just recently signed up for an improv class and I'm about two months into that, but I, I really enjoy doing things that make me very uncomfortable on a somewhat regular basis. It just pushes me out of myself. It gets me out of my comfort zone. I feel very alive, very stimulated. And it's something that sometimes I drag my feet on on the way to it, but I really do like feeling uncomfortable and pushing my limits. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to chat with me and my audience. And I I just really appreciate the work you're doing. And I hope you'll continue to propagate the power of listening to the people around you. I will. And I appreciate what you're doing too. And Doug, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome, Rebecca. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.